0: Romans twelve, sixteen through 18. The word of the Lord says this. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. Good morning. This is my best attempt to do spring. It cannot get here fast enough. Holy moly. Gosh. How do you go from 75 one day and then uh, snow within two days? So um, please, Lord Jesus, bring spring fast. Amen? Oh, gosh. I, I cannot wait. I, I don't even care about allergies. I mean, I like, let stuff fly out of all orifices of my face. I, I just want some flowers, some sun, especially some warm weather. So this, I, when I got up this morning, I thought, what's the closest thing to spring? I was like, oh, yes, a blue suit. A pink shirt and some flowers on the tie. So that's my attempt this morning to uh, usher spring in. I'm not sure I'll do much good at that, but this is my attempt. Um, Crazy to think we had uh, ice yesterday and we'll have 60 degrees today. I mean, I I mean, I just no, I won't say that out loud. That's called uh, discernment. Anyway, let's get to uh, the announcements and then we'll get to God's word this morning. Just uh, three quick announcements. In the back, there's a sign-up sheet for the Easter Fall Festival silent auction uh, for donations. So Miss Jerry's going to do a silent auction, but she needs items for that silent auction. So if you could sign up on uh, what you're going to bring on that uh, as well. Uh, there's a barbecue cook-off, um, so sign up for that. And then there's a dessert cook-off. I already said last week, I'll say it again, uh, Miss Marilyn's already won um, because she will provide the yum-yum bars. So... Uh, the rest of y'all, y'all don't need to worry about bringing those desserts because um, she's already won. Just make sure you have enough for me. Don't give them to anyone else in this Maryland. All right. Hey, again, discernment. Keep going, Todd. Keep going. Speak to myself. The next um, thing is the uh, Annie Arm, the Annie Armstrong offering is uh, today. So in the back, you'll see uh, a wooden. Uh, offering plate. Put your Annie Armstrong offering in that uh, today as well. And then lastly uh, Miss May Francis Spain. It's her birthday. She will be 99 um, this uh, birthday. So send her a card. Her address is in the the bulletin. So please reach out to her. Send her a happy birthday. She would love to hear uh, from each of us. And continue to pray for our uh, youth uh, search uh, committee as we continue to Look for a youth pastor for our church. Let me pray for us. And then we'll get started uh, this morning. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit. would bring us peace this morning. We've been singing about that. You read to us already. But peace starts with you, not with ourselves. So we pray that through the Holy Spirit, and your promise that uh, the Prince of Peace is among us. I pray that you would, even now, still my own heart, still your people's heart to receive from you this morning about what it would mean for us to live peacefully with all men. Uh, God, I pray that out of that, God, we would look to you and to you alone. We lift all these petitions before you. We pray that you would even Continue to be with us as we look for a youth pastor, that you would pour your wisdom, your insight, your blessing uh, on us and uh, bring the right person to us. We continue to humble ourselves and ask and plead with you that that would be your desire for this church. So um, it's in your hands, not ours, and we look to you uh, and submit ourselves to you. And now we submit ourselves to your holy word, that it would uh, not come back void as you had promised. So lead us, guide us, and continue to open our hearts to all that you would have for us. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. We'll be looking at um, peace this morning. If you were here with us last week, we talked about love and being a community of love, and I want to talk about how do we do that? How do we become a community of love? Um, Let me read you a story uh, about a Burmese diplomat that served as the third uh, general to the United Nations. He was speaking in 1965 and it could be be said of us today if if a diplomat was speaking to the United Nations today. I wonder if this person or these persons would say the same thing. These world leaders and these statesmen from around the world had come into the United Nations to talk about peace and to talk about how Peace was not happening. And he was asked these several questions. I'll read these questions to us. And I want us to think about that for us today as God's people. He was asked these questions. He said, it says this, what element is lacking so that our skill and all of our knowledge, we still find ourselves in the dark valley of discord and enmity? What is it that inhabits us from going forward together and enjoying the fruits of the human endeavor and to reap the harvest of the human experience? Why is it for all of our professed ideals, our hopes, our skills, peace on earth is still a distant object seen only dimly through the storms and turmoils of our present difficulties? Why is it? That we do not see peace. I want to offer us one word this morning. The one word would be this. Forgiveness. We do not have peace because we do not truly forgive one another. And we truly do not understand the forgiveness that was given to us by Christ Jesus on the cross. Because God in his word through Jesus himself makes it very clear That in order to live in God's kingdom, we are to what? Be peacemakers. He says that in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. It's when Jesus arrives on the scene and he tells his disciples and the people that are going to follow him, this is how you are to live. You're to live this way. And he starts with what we would call the Beatitudes. You want to be My disciple, you must live this way. And one of the things he says to his disciples is this. You must live as peacemakers. He says, blessed are those that are what? Peacemakers. For they will be called children or sons and daughters of God. So I would ask the question to you and to me this morning. Why is it that we don't live in peace? We have to ask ourselves that question here in our own church, with our own relationships. So I will say this to you because it all hinges on forgiveness. But what does forgiveness first hinge on? That we must accept one fact. It's called sin. Relationships are difficult because of sin. Sin, we live in a fallen, broken world that we covered several weeks ago, and because we live in a fallen, broken world, now we live in disharmony with one another, a lack of peace with one another. Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. But why is it that we live in such disharmony, in such sin? I believe Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of his discord on that mountain makes it super clear. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. He's talking about judging one another. He says this, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly the speck that is in your brother's eye. What Jesus is saying here is this. One of the reasons that we don't live in harmony with one another, one of the reasons we don't live in peace with each other is because we tend to look at the sin of the other person that's caused the discord in the relationship. We're going to blame the other person for the broken relationship, and what Jesus is saying here in the text is this, that we can't look at the log, uh, the speck in our brother's eye until we first look at the law in our own eye. He's saying don't blame anyone for the broken relationship. First, look at yourself first. What have you done? What have I done within the relationship that has brought broken relationship? You see, every relationship is broken because of sin. And what we tend to do is think it's their fault. So if they would just get their side of the street right, then the relationship would be fixed. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Look at how you have broken the relationship. Every broken relationship is broken 50-50. It's 50% of your fault just as, 50% of it's their fault, but we tend to want to look at it, it's 100% their fault. And Christ Jesus says to us, no, no. You can't go take the speck out of your brother's eye until until you take the log out of your own eye. What Jesus is referring to is the center beam of a house, is a 40-foot beam. Now, if you think about that for a moment, what Jesus is saying is there's this, 40 foot beam that's hanging out of your face you can't get within 40 feet of the other person to even look at the speck in their eye. So he's saying you're examining 40 feet away what's going on in that person and yet you're not noticing what's happening in your own face. So I'd ask us this morning to consider is there any log in your eye that's preventing you to be in right relationship somebody else Is there any log in my eye that's preventing me to be in relationship and living peacefully with another human being? And may I then go to what we'll get to later is to a place of confession. What log is in your eye? What log is in my eye? Cuz it's all going to hinge on confession. You don't need to turn there but this is what Jesus what God says to Moses in Numbers chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, it's about confession. Very early on when he's talking to his people, the Israelites, he focuses them on confession. This is what he says about confession and about sin. He says, the Lord said to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, speak to the church, speak to my people says, when a man or a woman commits any of the sins that the people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, he's saying sin breaks faith with the Lord, but it breaks relationship as well. He says, tell them to do this when they've broken relationship, and that person realizes his guilt. He shall what? Confess his sin. That he has committed. He shall make full restitution of his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him who he has done the wrong. What God says is this, that you must confess your sin and make full restitution for the sin that you've caused to another human being. I want to look at this morning, what would confession really look like? If We lived, if you remember a few weeks ago, I said we must live as confessional people. So what would it look like if we as a church lived as confessional people with one another, and we became a truly confessional church. These five A's come out of a book called The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. So they're not original to myself, but these five A's can really dictate how we live in relationship through confession. Look at these five A's. The first one is this. If we're going to make confession, we must first address everyone that's involved. So all those who have been affected by my sin, I must bring in and make confession to them. I must repent to them. So everyone that's involved, that my sin is harmed, I've got to invite them into relationship so I can make confession to them. And this is, he then goes on to say, here's how you then invite people in to make confession. He says this. I want you to look at the order that he puts them in. He says, if you're going to make confession, the first is this. Avoid these words, if, but, and maybe. Anyone ever done that before? Gone to make confession? You're like, yeah, but if you hadn't have done that. But am I the only one? I mean, I'm glad Jenny's not here this morning. Could she be saying amen right now? One of the few times you're like, "I don't say him in there. And so if we're going to make confession, we must avoid putting what he's saying, the excuse of our behavior onto someone else. One way to say it is we want to name what happened to us rather than blame what happened to us. I don't want to blame my behavior on your actions I want to name what happened and not blame what happened. And he says, let's avoid those words. The ifs, the buts, or the maybes. We make no excuse for our wrong. Here's the tough part. The next A is this. We must admit specifically what we've done to somebody. Now that is the part, if you've ever made confession or repentance, that I love to avoid. Like, I want to go 30,000 foot view of how I've harmed you because if I really tell you the truth of how I'll harm you, you know the guilt and shame that that brings on a human being to really tell the truth of what you know you've done to somebody else? And so what Ken Sandy is saying, we must give the details of how we've harmed the other person. You see, giving details of how we've harmed someone takes full ownership of what we've done. So he's saying, let's not do confession at a thirty-thousand-foot view. Let's do confession one-on-one at a one-foot view. Will you give the details of how you've harmed and wronged the other person? Which will then lead to the fourth one. We must acknowledge the hurt that we've caused somebody else. So one of the hardest things for me to do when I was about eight weeks in rehab. They flew Jenny in from Florida, and I had to sit down with her, and I had to address the problem. I had to avoid making what my behavior was on her. I had to admit the details of it, and then I had to give a list by list of how I had harmed her. They called it the impact letter. The impact of my sin, how it impacted her. And I had to walk through all the places in my life or my sin had harmed her in such a dramatic way. And those tears watching her cry, watching her walk through what I had done was so painful. But I'll tell you 13 years later, the gratitude I have for her to sit and listen to me has brought restoration to our marriage. Not an easy process. Because what happened after that is what Ken Sandy says this: After I acknowledged the hurt I'd caused, now I had to be willing to accept the consequences of what I had done for her, to her. The consequences of my behavior that had caused such pain to her. Now I was willing to make full restitution any way possible to her based on what I had done to her are we willing to accept the consequences of our sin that we put on to other people the sixth one is this after we've addressed everyone involved we avoid the ifs the buts the maybes we Admit the details, we acknowledge the hurt, we accept the consequences. We must, it's what the word truly means in repentance. We must alter our behavior. I mean, I I can't just do all those things and not change my behavior based on what I've done to someone. Like at some point, if my behavior doesn't change, the sorries get old, do they not? Like, oh, we've heard this one before. It's like the boy who cried wolf. And so if I'm willing to do all those things, but I'm not willing to change my behavior, then I'm really not in a place of confession, admission, and repentance. We must change our behavior. And look what he says last. Look where he starts. He doesn't start with asking for forgiveness. He ends with it. He ends his seven A's with then saying, now I'm going to ask you for forgiveness. How often do we want to do forgiveness and bypass the other six? And this man is saying, no, we must end with forgiveness. I would say to you and to me this morning as we sit here and we think of peace and if we have peace with other people, do we have truly a place of confession? In your marriage, your relationship with your children, your relationships with one another, our relationship in the church. Have we really made true confession? Because he says this, in, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, if there's been true confession, then it will always lead to Reconciliation is how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. He says this, for now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. He's saying you've been forgiven from God. You're now a new creation. All this is from him through Christ reconciled us to him and therefore gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation has everything to do with confession and repentance and forgiveness. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God how do we get to reconciliation how do we get to peace the starting block for peace catch this is guilt is guilt guilt is the feeling that God gave us to allow us to know we've done something wrong to know that we've harmed our relationship with him harmed our relationship with someone else, and therefore harmed our relationship with ourselves. So really, peace starts all the way back to our acknowledgement of our guilt. Because guilt leads to confession. That's what we just talked about. But it starts with guilt. So is there any place in your life, in my life, in the life of this church, that we have guilt It has not led us to confession. Because what happens next is this. Guilt leads to confession. Confession leads to repentance. Thank God for guilt from the Holy Spirit because it's the guilt that I now understand in my life that has led me to confess to God who I am that leads me to repentance. We must confess and repent, is what God's word says. So guilt leads to confession. Confession leads to repentance. Repentance leads to forgiveness and asking for it. Forgiveness leads to reconciliation. Guilt to confession. Confession to repentance, repentance to forgiveness, forgiveness to reconciliation, reconciliation to restored relationships. Do we desire restored relationships? So we'll start with guilt. I want you to take a moment. Give us about 10 seconds. Is there any place in your life, anyone that you, through the Holy Spirit, feel guilty in your relationship. May God grant us through the Holy Spirit that sense of guilt it will ultimately lead us to have a restored relationship. I want to offer this to you, though, this morning. If you do not know Christ, the first relationship you must get right is your relationship with Him. It starts with understanding your guilt for a holy God. Where sin is a broken relationship with Him. The promise of God's Word is this. If you understand your guilt through the Holy Spirit this morning, if you would confess your sin, if you would repent of that sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. In forgiveness, through the work of the cross, He will reconcile you to Himself through Christ Jesus. Because of that work of the cross of reconciliation, you now can have a restored relationship with God forever. if you do not have a right relationship with God, there's no way for you to have a right relationship with man. It starts with you and me this morning. Is my relationship with a holy God right? And then we can then go work on our relationships with one another. Then we can offer forgiveness. Here's the four promises that we must make when we forgive someone else. So if somebody comes to us with confession that leads all the way back to restored relationship, then this is the promise that we must offer the other person through forgiveness. If we really have forgiven people, these four promises must be true in your life and in my life. The first promise is this. I will no longer dwell on the incident. I will no longer dwell on what happened in this relationship. I'm not saying I won't remember what happened, but I will not dwell on what happened. You will always remember the harm that someone caused you. But you do not have to dwell on it any longer. That's the promise of forgiveness. Forgiveness is really the letting go. Thank God that he does not dwell on our sin. The first one is we make a promise we won't dwell on it any longer. Because that dwell dwelling will lead to resentment and resentment will lead to revenge. Anyone ever plotted the demise of another human being? Am I the only one? Like man, like I can get in fantasy land on my couch. How I'm going to bring down somebody else? Is so awesome and yet so dangerous. Because I'm dwelling. I really haven't forgiven the person. So I know if I've forgiven the person, I'm no longer sitting on my couch on a Saturday afternoon dwelling on their demise. I'm just trying to be honest. The next one would be this I will no longer dwell on it. Catch this. I'll no longer bring up the incident and use it against you. I'm not saying I don't bring it up, but I'm not going to use it as a weapon against somebody else. God reminds me of my sin, but in reminding me of my sin, it points me back to my gratitude for all that God has forgiven me of. But he doesn't use it as a weapon against me. And if I'm in a relationship with someone, I don't want to dwell on it, I don't want to use it as a weapon within the relationship. So I'm making a promise that I'm not going to dwell on it and I'm not going to use that what happened in our relationship against you to harm you. Here's one of the greatest promises that we can make about forgiveness. I will not talk to others about what happened. That's called gossip. That's not called a prayer request. That's called gossip. So if I've really forgiven somebody for what they've done for me, I'm not going to go around and talk about what they've done to me. I'm not going to ask for prayer about it. I'm going to let it go. And then the last one is this. If I've truly forgiven someone, the promise of forgiveness is this. I will not let the incident stand between us or hinder our relationship any longer. If I've truly forgiven that person. I want to make a caveat to that. doesn't mean every relationship that someone's harmed me in, I've got to enter back into that relationship. There are some relationships in our lives that we can forgive but never have to enter back into a deep, Friendship with. I'll say this. Looking for my kids. They're not in here, so I can say this story. When I was in elementary school, I was sexually abused. Now, I've forgiven that man that abused me. But I will never enter back into a relationship with him. Now, again, I don't dwell on the incident because I've forgiven him. I'm not going to use the incident against them. I'm not going to talk about it and disparage this man about what he did for me. But I promise this, I'll never enter into a relationship like I once had with him. Because he's a harmful person. The caveat is this. If the relationship is harmful, we no longer have to enter back in. We can have boundaries to protect ourselves. But if I'm in relationship, it's not harmful. I must enter back into relationship with the other human being to what? Bring restoration and healing to the friendship. You see, again, I'll say this. Relationship, they all break down because of sin. If we draw near to God and we examine our hearts first, not the heart of another man, or another woman, but I examine my heart and what I've done wrong in the relationship, then I'll acknowledge and confess and repent. Here's what one writer says about all this. In closing, he says, relationships break down because of sin. If we draw near to God, examine our hearts, catch this, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we acknowledge. Confess and repent of sin, then genuine forgiveness can be granted. Relationships can be reconciled, and unity and peace can be restored. How is that possible? He then says, By demonstrating the gospel, having it taken root in our own lives. We lovingly implore others to Christ. As recipients of God's grace, have been been reconciled to God through the shed blood of Christ. We stand ready to make amends, ask for forgiveness, and eager to forgive those who repent and turn to God. Our desire ought to be, when someone comes and confesses to us, our desire ought to be forgiveness. reconciling work of Christ on the cross not only brings peace with God but with peace with God's covenant community that's the church as well I would ask us this this morning is there any sin in your life my life the life of this church that we must confess that we must make right this morning. Is there any harm that we as a church have caused on other people that we know of, that we've not confessed? Is there any sin in your life and in my life that I know I've harmed someone else and I have not made confession to? I would ask us this morning through the work of the Holy Spirit that He would bring those places to our hearts and minds. Because it's what Jared read in Romans. Turn there with me. He says this in verse 16, and then in 18 of chapter 12. Live in harmony with one another. Skip down to 18. If possible, so as far as it depends on who? You. Not them, you. Live peacefully with all. Would we be a church that would live at peace with all? Would we have unity in the body? Remember, it would start with guilt that leads to confession. Confession would lead to repentance. Repentance would lead to forgiveness. Forgiveness to reconciliation. And reconciliation to restored relationships. Restored relationships are peaceful relationships. Let us pray to God this morning that that may occur.